today, as Pastor Robert said, we're going to talk a little bit about work. Um, but the first Labor Day holiday was celebrated in 1882. I actually didn't remember that date. That's a lot longer ago than I thought. And it was a New York City thing. It started in New York. And if we're being honest, it started with union workers, which you know, people have different thoughts about unions, but we can thank them for having a day off in September because by 1894, different states had started to adopt the holiday. And so in 1894, President Grover Cleveland, who doesn't get name dropped very often, signed a law making the first Monday in September of each year a national holiday to recognize American workers and their role in much of the nation's progress through the 1800s as we recovered from the revolution and then the American Civil War we started to grow in our industry in our economy and that was very uh, predicated on the work of the people just putting their nose to the plow and working so naturally we honor workers nowadays by taking tomorrow and hopefully not working. But each of us has a history with work. Okay, whether you are on your first job or you're in the middle of your career or maybe you're towards the end thinking about retirement or maybe you've made it there, we have all worked in some way. My work began in 1999. That was a whole millennium ago. I was 15 years old. I had not really thought about work as employment yet. I worked at, around the house, you know, cleaning up and chores. But that year, something had become my new number one priority. And despite being 15, it was not a girl. It was not a car. It was actually a bass guitar. You guys know Despite playing the drums, I've also played the bass. The bass is actually my instrument. The drums are kind of my backup plan. Uh, but for me, that thing was, I needed to get my first bass guitar. And to do that, I needed money. My friends and I wanted to start a band. I couldn't play guitar. Nobody else owned a bass. So we said, you can learn the bass. It's really easy. And I said, what could go wrong, right? It's a lot easier than the guitar, I'll figure it out. And so the only part of the plan I didn't consider was that I would need money for that bass guitar and not like what change can I dig out of the couch money. I needed like some real serious cash. So the first thing I tried was the bank of mom and dad and I was quickly rejected for any financial assistance from them. And that left one option and that was I needed to find someone who could pay me money in exchange for me doing work. So I needed a way to bring in that money, and that's the oldest way to do it, right? You work for your day and you earn a wage. Well, as luck would have it, one of the men in my church was looking for teenagers to help with his work. He was a developer. He built subdivisions and properties and things like that, and he needed some teenagers who were willing to just do some dirty work. And so for several weeks that summer, me and two other guys went out, in the, like I said, middle of the summer, even in Illinois, that's as hot 
as you're thinking. There's an empty subdivision, and we had to get rid of the big rocks, smooth everything out, throw out a bunch of grass seed, and then roll out those big hay mats. You guys ever seen those? It's like somehow bound together, and you just roll it out like carpet, and it just keeps animals and birds from taking all the grass seed. And we would do that, finish, and then just do it over again and over again and over again across all these different spots that were going to be houses and yards for this subdivision. It was a long, hot, difficult summer of work for me. But in the end, I ended up getting what I wanted because I got paid from that and I saved that money. And I took my cash to the music store slapped it on the counter and bought the cheapest bass guitar I could find. <laughs> and that's all I wanted. We st I started learning and we were able to start our band. And I tell you that story to ask you this question. Why do we work? And I think we would all have a very common answer. Typically, it's because we need an income. It's how we make a living. Or sometimes, if we're, you know, doing okay, we want the specific money for, like, a thing, right? And so we kind of make the job a means to that end. But ultimately, that's what everybody is doing, is we want to make a living. Now, there are people out there who enjoy their work, right? And they'll say, oh, I love my job. But seriously, that's not why they do their job. They're just lucky that they love it. They have a little more fun on the journey, but ultimately they're still working to make a living. Now I want you to think about this question. Why do we work as part of the grand history of the world? Okay, so we're talking the first history book here is the book of Genesis in your Bible. And in chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. And as part of the consequences, God starts spelling out to Adam what's going to happen to him. And he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And in verse 23 he says, Therefore the Lord God sent him, Adam, out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground. And we see here that human work started out with Adam being a farmer. And the fact that he had to work to grow food for their sustenance was a punishment for their sin. Prior to that, God was providing food for them. You know, they had all the trees to choose from, and then they eventually chose the one tree God asked them not to. But God was providing food, and so as part of their punishment for sin, Adam had to start working. So work, as we think of it, is part of that downfall of sin. And immediately I can see how that line of thinking might discourage us in our work. Like, oh, I'm only doing this because of sin. But I want us to move past that idea and really think about why we work. To do that, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15.58. That should be in the U version if you have that pulled up. But it says, 
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so today, based on this verse, I want us to look at three reasons for why we work. Okay, The first one is this. We are to be doing the work of the Lord. Okay, Now we're talking about work and we kind of get this idea like, my job, my job, the work I do. Okay, The work of the Lord starts to sound like the work of the church, right? Because we start to bring in Jesus and we kind of think, oh, well, that means that church. And while it can, this work here is any work that we can do in the name of the Lord. And so while we don't think of it that way, our work in our lives, whether it's a job or the things we do in our family or for the church, are for God if we do them with that heart attitude. Okay, so I can parent my kids for God. And then I could also parent my kids not for God. Right? That's when like pans get thrown and things. So I can see that just thinking that thought and looking at my life, I can see how those things can be work for the Lord. Okay, and so this, if our work in our life includes all these things that we're doing, naturally that includes the work that we do here in the church. So by no means does that mean that life in the church is the work of the Lord and everything else we just kind of figure it out. Um, Serving God and pointing others to Jesus, inviting them to church to see what we're doing here. That's all a priority for sure, but that's part of our greater work of our life, okay? So look at our verse again. I want to show you in the middle there. It says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So not only are we to be working for the Lord, but we are to be abounding in the work of the Lord. That word abound means in excess, abundant, overflowing. And it's the same root word that was used when Jesus fed the 5,000. He had the five loaves and the two fishes, and he passed it out, and it just kept going and going. And at the end, he tells the disciples to do what? Pick up the abundance, the overflow. And that's the word he used there. And that's the word that Paul uses here when he says, to be abounding in the work of the Lord. We see this word several times throughout Paul's different letters. In Ephesians, he says, we have redemption through Jesus' grace, which he lavished upon us. That's that same word. Philippians 1 says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Colossians, he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we see multiple times this word and its association to how we live our lives as Christians. As Jesus abounds in showing us grace, we are to abound in love towards others and thanksgiving to God. And here Paul says that's the same way you're supposed to work always abounding. 
We can make all of work for the Lord. Like I said, we can come to church, we can teach kids, we can greet others and move signs and pack up the trailer. We can do all of this for the Lord. And that sounds straightforward to us. But at the same time, we can fill out an order form or update a spreadsheet or send an email, attend a meeting, all for the Lord. Because Paul also tells us in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. He says, whatever you do. He didn't say, whatever you do at church, do it for the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, work your hardest as for the Lord, not for anybody else. In everything we do, we can make it our purpose to work hard as if we're doing it for the Lord because we are. So when we work, we're also to be unchanged in our purpose. If you look again at the verse, it says, Be steadfast and immovable. These words have similar meanings to each other, and essentially he's saying to stand firm. And he's saying it twice, which usually that means it's important, right, when they repeat it. We are not to change our purpose even when we may get tired, sometimes with work we get bored, we resolve to keep that same mindset that the work we get to do is a gift from God. And in that same way, we don't allow ourselves to get down on it. We stay encouraged to keep going. But we also don't let external things, people around us or the environment, the situations, to impact us either. So we aren't changing ourselves and we're not allowing ourselves to be pushed around by what's going on around us. We keep working for the Lord. And we can do that because our second point here is we work because we know it's not in vain. The idea we've focused on here be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, right in the middle of the verse. That's Paul's direct instruction to us from this verse. If we look at this verse and we read it and say, that's what I'm supposed to do. But he explains right after that why we should be doing this. And he says at the end of the verse, abounding in the work of the Lord, why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Simply put, we can keep working because we know it's worth it. It's not in vain. When our work is hard, I, know, I don't know about you guys, there's meetings on my calendar this week that I'm like, I just, I fear going to the, these meetings because it ends up, here's 30 things that need to happen and here's 28 of them for Bill. You know, those types of meetings. Um, but we also... You know, we can struggle to communicate with our spouse or we can battle to teach and train our kids, right? These things that go on in our lives are all work. And so whatever that difficulty is, God is telling us here that we can know that it is not in vain. When we know something, okay, a lot of people like to throw that word around like, oh, I know that song. Well, no, they really don't. They remember parts of it, right? We throw that word know around. But when we use it here, it's a 100%. It's no doubt. It's a slam dunk. It's not, I hope, 
this works or we'll see what happens. It's something that we can count on. Because we know that our labor is not in vain, that can drive us to keep on working. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is telling a parable about a man <clears throat> excuse me, having a banquet, and he says, don't just invite your friends and family or rich neighbors because they'll just invite you to their party, and then you guys are even. You get repaid for inviting them, basically. He says in verse uh, 14, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection. As we do our work here on, on earth, we often think about, okay, we get paid and then what do we do with that money? Jesus does not want us to be focused only on the earthly result of our work, which I'm going to show you here. It is important. We obtain money and use it for a lot of good things. But that's not all we do with it. Okay, that's not all our work can do. For example, I go to work and I get my paycheck. That's one, one result of my work. I use my paycheck to provide for my family. You know, with, we have a home, food, clothes, etc. So that's another result of my work. These are practical, temporal things that are important. When we look at it closer, though, we can see how I, I can handle this in the name of the Lord. And I'm not showing you this for me like to say, hey, look how I do it. I'm showing you even I can do it. If I can do it, we can all figure it out. But I provide for my family because the Bible instructs me to do that. So that's obedience to God's word. And in that obedience, I'm showing my wife and my children that obeying God's word is important. I'm providing for my family, so I'm showing them love. So I'm showing them how to love one another. And specifically, I'm showing my son, who gets to be embarrassed for a second, I'm showing him how to provide for a family someday. Right? I try my best to provide my wife with just about anything that she would ask for within budgetary reason. In doing that, I'm showing her sacrificial love. I'm saying, we can use this money for you. I don't need to use it for me. And I'm showing my kids how to love their spouses in the future. I spend time with my kids and do things with them just to show them that I love them, and so I'm showing them how to love their kids someday. I'm, I give uh, my offering to the church that is used for the ministry here and in our community and everything. I'm showing them that one of my priorities is to give back to God what he's blessed me with. So you see, all that that's happening is coming out of my work. It starts with my work, and then I'm able to use the result of that to do all of those things. So it's not just to get a paycheck. It essentially feeds into my whole life. It's easy to see all that happening, but we don't always realize that greater impact. When you think about it, my giving, your giving, the combined giving of this group is part of the work for each of us. That's a part of our work, and we see it in our ministry here. When we see people who are here, 
who weren't here six months or a year or two years ago. People are being reached to come and see Jesus. And that's the result of our giving. That's the ultimate result of our work. So whether it's inside this church gathering or out in our daily lives, we see people, we come across people, and we don't know what their lives are like. And we interact with these people, and our goal should be, I want to give this person hope. I want to show them why I can battle through these situations and why they struggle. It's not me, but I want them to see Jesus and the hope that he gives me and the direction he gives me in how to live our lives. And if anything we do individually or as a church can point a person to Jesus, that ends up being, like I said, the ultimate end result of our work. It can also be a result of the work that I'm doing in my job. If I just think about that and I give money to the church and let's say Gary is able to talk to somebody at the gas station who just looks discouraged and they come to church and eventually they see Jesus and they put their trust in him and their lives are completely changed. That circles back to my work because I put the result of that with some money in the offering. So you see how all of those are connected. And because of that, it makes our work not in vain. There are spiritual, eternal reasons for me to do my work, my very best, in Jesus' name. And I see these things happen as a result of my work. And because of that, I know without any doubt that my work is not in vain. And so... Paul shows us this proof, but then he adds another one. Number three is we know our work is worth it because Jesus has defeated death. So like I said um, earlier, Paul kind of structures his arguments. I said there, he had this instruction and then this proof. And then there's this second proof, but that didn't come from our verse. If you were looking at our verse, there's nowhere in there about Jesus defeating death, right? So what he does is it's always before his statement. He kind of lays out this, this foundational information, and then he says, because of that, do this. And so when we, look, we have to look before because of that word, therefore. Okay? And he says in 1 Corinthians 15, these are the verses right before 58, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. He's talking about eternity here. Then shall come to pass the saying from Isaiah that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. What victory? And we have to keep reading. And he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But... Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says here, we have this opportunity to live into eternity. And through the resurrection, Jesus has given us victory over death and sin. And so because of that, always abound in the work of the Lord. 
because you know your labor is not in vain. So it's kind of like a, a sandwich. The meat is what he wants you to do, but the bread is a bunch of reasons why. So simply put, he's saying, Jesus has defeated death. And so why would that matter for our work? Well, because Jesus died on the cross for your sin and mine, which separates us from God and causes us to struggle through life. That sin and that separation from God is why life is so hard. And because of that victory, Jesus rising from the dead and overcoming death and sharing that victory with us, we are able to see the sting of death taken away and the power of sin be broken. And he gives us that complete victory. And so Paul says, because Jesus has done all of that for us, keep working, be steadfast, be immovable, don't change, but keep on working. Because all of that tells us it's not in vain. And so we are instructed to always be working, and we're able to do that because we know that our labor is not in vain, and we know that because Jesus has defeated death. And here's what I want you to remember. If you just could take one sentence, this might even be a little bit of a run-on, but if you could take one sentence from today, it's this summary. We can know that whatever we work on in Jesus' name is not in vain because Jesus has defeated sin and shared that victory with us. Okay, the Bible promises that we will see a result from our work. And this is the last example I want to use. In Galatians, the Bible says, verse 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Paul's telling us, whatever you sow, you know, whatever you plant in your life, the work that you do, you will reap from it. And so let's not get tired of doing good, but let's keep doing it because in due season we will reap. So the Bible promises us that if we don't give up, we will reap from our work. The only problem that most people have is when they read that, they see in due season. And they say, okay, God, what, what does that mean? And it's too indefinite. But he says, don't worry about that part. Some of it might not come today or this week or next year. Some of it might be saved up for you in eternity, in heaven. We don't always like talking about that because if we're in heaven, where are we not? Here anymore, right? And nobody can stand here and say that that's not a crazy, weird thought to be you know, trying to wrestle with. But when you read through the Bible, the descriptions of heaven and the rewards that we have, the, the experience of being with Jesus, it has to be so good Otherwise, why would a good God take us from here to there? Everything that we have here that's our family, that we love, we want to see our kids grow up and get married and have their own kids and all these different things, right? It sounds so great. Like this huge checklist of amazing things I could still do in my life. And if God took me today, it's because he has something even better waiting. And he says, some of the rewards might not come until then. 
but it's going to be so worth it, so keep on working. The challenge for us is to do as much as we can. What does that mean? That means to keep loving and leading others. That means to keep serving, keep giving, keep working together as a team and as a church. Keep working hard at your job. Keep loving your family. Keep being kind to those around you. Perhaps some of those sound like things you're already doing. That's why I say keep doing it. Or maybe for you it sounds like something that you're not doing yet. There's no better time to start than today. Jesus says if you do this work, it will be worth it. And so maybe you're wondering what that means when we talk about Jesus and his death and his burial, his resurrection, his victory over sin that we can share. Maybe you just have questions about that. Me, Pastor Robert, Pastor Jay, we always love to talk about that. That's why we're here. So we would love to share more with you about that. So I want to end today with the true ending of my story that I started with about my bass guitar. Okay? Essentially, uh, I have the life that I have right now because of that bass guitar. And here's why. I got myself that bass guitar. We started our band. That band played a concert at a church nearby us when we were teenagers. And we were invited back a second time. And during that process, I met this girl named Amy. And uh, if you don't know, she happens to be my wife now. And we have two kids because of that. We have our life here together. We're in Florida serving here at Bethel in this community. And so just all of that is an outflow of me having that bass guitar, which came back from some work. But not only that, I have used my ability to play the bass guitar in our previous church and here far more than I ever did in our band. And so think about that. I've, I've estimated, I'll say, several hundred church services. I don't know what that means. Several's very loose, right? Several hundred church services that I've been a part of playing that bass guitar. What kind of impact has that had for Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that people are like, oh, I need to be saved because of my delicious bass guitar lines, you know. That's not the point. But the point is, all of us know we come into a service and hear a song, and it gets us. And you hear that song, and it's just like, something is wrong that I need to get taken care of. And I've been able to be a part of that more times than I even know. To be honest, I don't, I don't even have a clue. But because of that work that I did as a 15-year-old planting grass seed for a man in the church, there is impact happening that I don't even know about. The results of that work, I'm, hoping, I'm looking forward to finding out about that in heaven. And that might be where I get that reward because I've gotten a wife and a family and a church and everything that has come from that one set of work I've done, which is a, a great reward. Don't get me wrong at all. 
That's, that's a great return on investment for one bass guitar. <laughs> However, there's even more. There's more to come that I will find out about someday. So we don't always see that outcome, but we're supposed to keep working, keep giving our best, and keep abounding in the work. We keep on working because we know that our labor is not in vain. And we know our labor is not in vain because Jesus has defeated death and given us the victory over sin. That is why we work. Let's pray.